0: They're instantly on it and you know, to the blockchain's defense. So great new regime, active military that's uh, working to defend it. Hello everyone, Alejandro Asstrobal here and welcome to the newest episode of the economics of Everything podcast with yours truly
1: Alexandre Vieira. Here on econ of Everything. We believe that economics in its purest form is a study of how people make decisions. Thus, our goal is to make our audience informed decision-makers in all parts of their life.
0: We'll do this by breaking down topics we look at with data, research, and practicing and theories. We will also be looking at topics critically and agnostically, which discourages empirics to employ an economic lens.
1: Now, the goal of our team is to break down the complex nature of economics to help you employ a critical thinking strategy and... A holistic approach on topics to help you become a d- better decision maker. And today, I'm very excited. We're going to be talking about blockchain. This is actually the episode of how blockchain breaks the world. And Alejandro and I are going to be discussing some of the benefits, opportunities, and some of the just the basic outlines of what blockchain is. Ain't that right?
0: Yes, this is an awesome episode. I'm really excited to get into all the nitty gritty details uh, from our research on blockchain, and for all you listeners out there, this is a really cool episode. So go ahead and uh, you know take a listen, share it with your friends, and let us know what you think. Um, but without further ado, let's get started. Alex, what is blockchain? Well, uh, Andrew, honestly, from my understanding,
1: the easiest way for you to see what blockchain is is it's pretty much an online version of creating a chain of title. So just like in real estate, you have these title companies creating title through a paper, tracking it all the way back to when the house was first made and tracking all of the ownership up to that point. Blockchain does a very similar thing, but for more ambiguous products like music, like art, and it puts that chain on a block that is virtual versus in a local municipality or a local county who holds all that information on paper.
0: Definitely, and classic of you to allude it to real estate, but that's a great example. So blockchain is basically like a general ledger that creates a block or a node of an ownership of any type of asset, like you said, art, music, real estate, and, and basically stores it on the blockchain network for everybody to see. So there's an undisputable truth of who the true owner is. But how does it do that? Well, we can really dive into the nitty gritty
1: and really go into the details here. But broad strokes, it's someone who, let's say it's me and you doing a transaction. we put in this transaction. I'm trading a dollar for a NFT, for example and there are a hundred computers in this system. That transaction goes to each computer to validate that you are in fact Alejandro and I am in fact Alex, and that we are both agreeing to pay $1 for this NFT. Once every computer in, that tra- in this system agrees that this is a true transaction and everyone is a valid party in this system, then it gets approved. This approved transaction gets clumped together with other transactions that are approved in a similar time frame, And once there is a certain number, then you have a block of approved transactions. This block, all time-stamped, gets attached to the end of this chain of blocks. And through this system, you can see and track through time who has owned this particular asset, or any other asset that was traded on this chain.
0: Yeah, definitely. So it seems like a simple concept, and it seems like something that we have might have had in some sort of realm or some sort of uh, some sort of other database before. But blockchain just the really the the plug of blockchain is that it is unmutable. So any malicious attempts uh, to hack or to alter these transactions, these blocks is pretty, pretty minute because they're very, you know, set in stone types of blocks. Uh, and also the fact that anytime that you would like to sell an asset or buy an asset, you have to form a new chain off of that original block. So transactions occurring after, uh, and seceding that, um, Will, will all be on that same chain. So pretty simple concept in theory, but we'll just go into the the fine details and, and fine companies that are coming about on the blockchain network and what exactly they're doing later on.
1: Honestly, one of the biggest benefits I find of uh, blockchain and one of the biggest values that it brings is the shared data layer and the protocol layer that it's offering so according to Monegro, blockchain and the system that is revolving and growing around it it acts like a global database where every single application can just plug itself into the data so for example right now we have like facebook who is this really large application company And they have a lot of data, user data, customer data, and even employee data and company data of like what to spend on advertising and stuff. This large uh, section sector of data gives them a very strong network effect and makes it very difficult for any new company slash Facebook-like product to really be able to compete. And that's because of the large data that they have, and so they can really target your ads a lot more efficiently than a new Facebook who doesn't have that kind of background. Having a shared data layer, however, would put all of the data that Facebook currently has out to the public, and then the value of Facebook is then only based on the user experience and not on their ability to successfully sell ads to their customers.
0: Definitely, I've always heard that if you're not paying for a product, especially in the digital world, now you are the product where Facebook, that's really, truly the, uh, you know, the, the saying that, that rings true is the people are the product. Their their data, uh, the users of Facebook is Facebook's product. They're selling ads they are selling products, uh, to these people, placing whatever they would like in front of these people to hopefully get little bit of kickback from those ad revenues that are being published out there. The shared data layer, very cool thought from the blockchain network would also give you rights to a passport or a port key uh, to be able to share your own data. So you can really start to lock down, you know, this is who I am. This is my birthday. This is, you know, if you want to put your social security number in there, um, Because there are private blocks, uh, you know, that's something that we'll go into later. But there's public and private blocks, whereas, you know, public is for those real estate transactions that might be a little larger. You just want to make sure that, you know, everybody knows what's going on. But the private blocks are for like medical records, uh, what I'm talking about for this passport, the port key um, of your own data, who you want to share it with. So shared data layer makes that possible. Also, personal data ownership is is really what blockchain starts to address. So, shared data layer is a really cool concept in theory, but this also gives the user permission to their data on the blockchain. Yeah, it really goes into what you were talking about earlier,
1: uh, about how it gives you the user more power over your own data, and using your keys that you were creating allows you to say, all right, I want my data to be a part of this shared data layer or not. So Alejandro, blockchain has been coming out and a lot of what we've been seeing is like currencies, we see Bitcoin, we see Ethereum. But really, my question is, what are some of the companies that are taking advantage of this blockchain system? And what are they doing with it?
0: Well, I, for one, was an early early adopter of filecoin. Uh I was somebody who bought into the uh the idea of what it is, the storage of it. Um right now it's 623 uh June 23rd that is. Don't really want to talk about my crypto portfolio, but filecoin as an idea, a blockchain-based storage network That originally raised 257 million in 2017 with a Filecoin token sale so what Filecoin is is it allows for increased storage access and lower data transfer costs to the entire globe it also allows a digital asset protection program so this Filecoin basically is a really really cool idea of how you can start to store data within a separate network of the blockchain.
1: Yeah, I looked into Filecoin a bit. It's, it's really cool because of the way that data is distributed. Whereas currently in the global cloud or the Google cloud systems, there's individual hubs of data collection, very centralized, some would say, uh, centers of data. In this Filecoin system, as data gets requested by different users, by different entities, the data moves around the globe to different local hardwares and ho- local hard drives and they can then be distributed from there. And so it's, it's really innovative in the way that computers are communicating with each other and making it less of a one-way street trying to connect with the nearest computer, or supercomputer in Las Vegas or in Colorado and really allowing you to work with the nearest computer down the street who use, who just downloaded the data a day ago, two days ago, 20 yeah, seconds ago. I th-
0: definitely. I think the easiest way to think about it is if you want to play a song, let's say <clears throat> on Spotify, you, well, you play it. You're playing it off of somebody's last play of that song. And then when you're done listening to that song, somebody is able to – pull that song off of your device and stream it onto theirs. Yeah. So it really goes into the network effect of not just an intermediary party where you're interacting with Spotify's large central database, you're just interacting with another person or another hardware system on the network. So pretty cool theory and thought.
1: Yeah, it it, it goes into it. And then we have Burst IQ, which is like, a similar derivative of this, but it's built specifically for the healthcare. So they have their own rules and regulations on what kind of data should be and can be accessible to the overall public. But then it's also very important for that data to be very easily accessible to all of the different healthcare workers within that system. And right. so Burst IQ is another company that's really working into that.
0: Right. But- Burst IQ really goes into the the private block that they store data on. So all interested parties, your doctor, your nurse, your, you know, pediatrician, whoever might be interested in this data, and you all only have the access key that will never be able to be broken, <clears throat> in theory, uh, by by uh, hackers or malicious attempts to, to get your personal uh, health data. One company that I'm
1: very interested in, which really takes looks at the way that the incentive programs are built in this blockchain system in any of these different coins that we're talking about is uh, Golem or Golem.network. Now, this is a computer powered network and users can purchase idle computer power when remote computers aren't you being used currently using Their Golem token, which tokens is just a way for you to ask for you to trade services or goods aside from just trading the coins. And uh, this coin, this token for me is very interesting because, especially as we start getting into the smart contracts and some of the more intricate products that are available on blockchain, they start getting expensive because these codes aren't the simplest to run. And the more complicated the code is that you're running on your smart contract, the more expensive it becomes. And I, as a personal user currently, don't have a large mining bank in my back corner. You know, I don't have a a thousand computers just sitting in my basement running and mining coins. And so to be able to hire a local or global computer base to do the mining and to mine a block when I need it, is very beneficial
0: right yeah it's a, it's a really cool concept and uh, allows for a, a scaling ability for for mining opportunities just like you said uh another cool thing that's come up about from the blockchain network is basic attention token now Alex I know you've done a lot of research on this so I'll let you kind of explain what that is and um how, it, yeah. how it's used
1: so honestly the best way for me to explain basic basic attention token is it kind of reverses the way that advertisements are being looked at whereas right now they throw out advertisements at a large range of people and then maybe you click on it maybe you pay through it and then they'll figure out that it's a good advertisement to use in the basic attention token they are incentivizing us, the consumers, to watch these advertisements by paying us in tokens. And then these tokens can be redistributed to the companies you like and uh, bought from the companies you don't. And so in the long run, you have higher conversion rates because the people who want to watch your ads uh, pay for them through token uses. And the people who don't, won't, And so you can really start narrowing down on your ideal target audience. And if you're a high, morally high ground company who does a lot of good social work, then you should have more people wanting to give you and donate their tokens to you. So that would bring down your advertising costs considerably and give you some competitive advantage in a world where being a green company or being a company who cares for their workers doesn't have a lot of benefits financially, but in a system where they can get paid for having a better social standing, they would.
0: Yeah, basic attention token is a really cool idea. And one of the easiest ways I think you could start to think about this is watching a movie ad that is in conjunction with a movie theater such as AMC, or fandango uh intermediary to buy and sell uh, movie tickets you are paid for watching that ad in basic attention token and then you're able to buy movie tickets with that basic attention token so it really goes to show like did that ad work well yes it definitely did because they want to come see this movie with a new regime always taking effect you always have to have a little bit of a stronghold, or an army, or some sort of protector, in in a network, right? You know, the great Roman army gave the prosperity to Rome, just as uh, you know every every great nation has always had. But when you're building something online, uh, and we've been going this direction for quite some time, how do you really combat you know malicious attempts or malicious Uh, militants of you know people who are trying to hack data get data make data breaches well a company is on it a company called hacking is a cybersecurity based service to verify the integrity of a block or token system so basically what that means is there is an active participant in the blockchain network that is always looking through and parsing through Blocks, tokens, new tokens, token systems. Just making sure that, yes, they are legitimate. And if there are malicious attempts at data breaches. Yeah, it's nice to have um,
1: security on your systems. I feel like once we hit quantum computing, all of these rules are going to break loose. But then hopefully we have a new hack-in based on quantum computing that can help ensure all of our data is safe. Uh, moving forward, I do like Propy which is actually a company that I've heard about outside of our research here in the real estate world. And it's really facilitate the transaction after we have a buyer and seller agreeing on a purchase price. They come together, they put all of your documents on a similar location, they facilitate the transmission of signed paperwork and they store all the signed paperwork on a centralized or decentralized location depending on how you're looking at it and this makes it, it this really simplifies the transactions for real estate agents it's mostly taking the work of title companies and in the long run it allows for a lot of the title work that is currently done when you're checking the title of a property remember it goes all the way back to when the property was built to be on a block that should be a lot faster for you to track and thus should make title work something that happens in a few minutes rather than
0: a few days. So we've gone over a ton of companies that have basically used the blockchain network to their advantage and really created like a subsect off of that network. However, one of the coolest ideas that I think is coming out of this is media chain a company that gives the ownership rights back to the actual artists and starts to give dividends to these artists. So Media Chain's basic ideology is a solution for managing ownership rights and royalties through smart contracts and verified transactions of digital assets. One of the ways to think about it is accesses that song off the block through Spotify. I hook it up through an RSS feed to Spotify to Apple Podcasts to or Apple Music, Google Music, wherever it may be accessed from, every time that is accessed, that transaction of streaming from the block gives a little bit of a kickback or royalty for the listening of that song.
1: Create is the fact that it really takes away a lot of the power and negotiating influence that producers and managers have in the creative space currently. Currently, a lot of their revenue created by producers is really just rights management and ensuring that all of your products is being fairly represented in the open market. But by giving that power back to the creator and enforce your own rights over your own music, it allows for a smaller music creator or digital artist to really protect their own uh, entities, protect their own ideas, and ultimately will help with personal assets into the future as the world gets more complicated to manage. Maybe new inventions can also be placed on a similar block, Could could be used for copyright infringement laws into the future as blockchain becomes an easier way for you to manage if those copyrights are actually being infringed on without having a manager or person actually going through and looking at that. Alejandro, I wanna to talk to you really quick about central bank digital currencies. Have you heard about these yet? I have not. Okay, so we've been, we've been hearing a lot about all these different currencies and honestly, central bank CBDCs, also known as, is one of the biggest reasons why I'm bearish against random currency, cryptocurrencies because it's really a country creating an official digital form of their dollar. And this money can be controlled, just like the normal money supply, it works alongside your dollar bills, your coins, your credit cards. And it really creates one fluid currency that that transfers from the virtual to the real. And It's something that I've been seeing. No country currently is using it, but it's being discussed as a possible possibility as people progress into a more blockchain society.
0: I'd make an argument that we have some early stages of it for a good good amount of time. Uh, My thought is I have not received a paycheck where I didn't, cash it, or I I didn't transfer it directly into my bank account, probably since I was what, 16, which was eight years ago. So I think the digital currency already exists, but actually making it recognized as a digital currency as you would on a blockchain network, I think that's more the direction that central banks are looking to go.
1: Yeah, it really opens up the opportunities, because one of the biggest benefits uh, one of the biggest strengths of any dollar in any system, even in the fiat system that we're currently living in, is first of all the U.S. government has a very large military, and so the military is one thing that backs the the U.S. dollar. Also, a lot of countries like the Chinese government, they take a lot of They use. They have a lot of. They take a lot of effort to maintain control over the value of their yuan. Currency control is one of the three pillars, and so they chose currency control as one of their most more important factors because of how dependent they are on exports and imports to be able to create global trade. And so the ability to be able to back your monetary source by other reserves like gold or even just other foreign currencies, other fiat or cryptocurrencies, etc., really gives your currency some backbone in a system that's always changing.
0: That's awesome. So so what are some future trends that we think we're going to start to see from the blockchain network? Well,
1: from what I'm seeing, I don't really think blockchain will replace the centralized monetary structures that we're seeing currently. I feel like it'll more like complete what is already there and we'll see it in the market much more like another foreign exchange market another coin on the foreign exchange that has their own economies that have their own products, but because of the way that it's created and the lack of central backing or the lack of a government really using it and being able to use monetary policy with it forces it to be in a separate system than other countries are currently using.
0: Right. And firms within a central bank's system uh, that operate, you know, directly with the central bank, such as like big, big banks like JP Morgan, uh, big asset managers like you know, BlackRock. I don't think they're ever going to change from a fiat currency that they've can that they've uh, conducted business in for you know, now hundreds, well, yeah, hundred, hundred years now. Um, Because the enactment of the Fed was, what, 1913? So, yeah, 108 years. Um, So I don't think they're ever going to go away from that. But like you said, I think it could be an alternative to other currencies. So it would just be like on the FX exchange market where you have your yen, you have your peso, you have your U.S. dollar, you have your Canadian dollar, and then you have Bitcoin or you have Ethereum. Um, right now, Ethereum, I think, is probably the most bullish case in my eyes for a digital, digital currency just because of their network, uh, their hybrid model, um, proof of stake and proof of work hybrid model that they have enacted. I'm really bullish on Ethereum over Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency, but that's just my thoughts. Um Yeah, from what I'm seeing,
1: I really like the systems and the opportunities that are becoming available through this blockchain. Uh, Some research papers that I've seen, they're saying that blockchain will be an invisible cog within 30 years across most developed countries. And it's really going to be much like the internet back in 2000s where it was very innovative. It was very jarring for a lot of industries. But now we're in twenty twenty. One, and I don't know how to code internet-based computers like the TCP and IP that was used in early internet. But Alejandro and I did build a website, and most of it was point and click. And so, as we see a lot of this, as we see a lot of this progress, then uh, being able to create and produce on blockchain, I feel like will be simplified.
0: And I feel like that's one of the biggest benefits that will we'll be seeing. Definitely, yeah. There's there's something to be said about no code or low code, uh, environments that are coming about from scaling effects of open source code of programmers who are just making their products very easy to use and integrate with with SOAP APIs, REST APIs, um, embedded links. That's essentially what we relied upon for the building of our website, and what I know a lot of other founders and other website creators use uh, for the building of their, their products and websites. So
1: Alejandro, I'm just curious of the, of the companies that we discussed,
0: which one are you most interested in? Of the companies that we talked about in our presentation, I am most bullish on media chain. Media chain, as we discussed, really starts to put the ownership and the copyrights into the hands of digital creators and producers. Which I think should have been done a long, long time ago. We have seen independent artists come about in this new age, where people are still really autonomous in what they do, and hoping to take back their their royalties, hoping to take back their, you know, their ownership rights. We've seen Taylor Swift battle this. We've seen uh, other other mainstream artists battle this. But what about the beginning artists that are starting to battle this? We've seen a lot of uh, artists being capped off because of their ownership rights or royalties aren't providing them what they what they would need in order to keep you know producing, making this creative content, so on and so forth. So, Media Chain is probably the the company I'm most bullish on out of the ideas and concepts that we've talked about.
1: I would agree, especially with. From my research after the induction of the internet revenue for a lot of these music or creative industries dropped by almost 50 to 60 percent just because of the ability for people to if you ever heard of limewire back in the 2000s you know just peer-to-peer distribution of downloading songs uh personally one of my Favorite things that I'm seeing across this whole blockchain system is really what we've been talking about this whole day. And it's these token-based markets. And right now we've seen we've discussed six different token-based markets that seem to be a really good and seem to have a lot of demand for them, especially as you move into the space more. But the this concept of being able to fundraise using tokens and then even distribute services or goods based on a token that you create that is under your name, under your company, under your brand, I feel like just that idea alone gives rise to a very large opportunity that isn't only restricted to the blockchain system. You could have your movie theaters coming in and creating a token for their individual movies and that token expires after you watch the movie you could have uh, an NFT that is that doubles as a ticket for you to go to a concert. And so if you are a large performer, you could sell NFTs and have that NFT be a concert ticket. And it's like these kinds of more longer term ideas that can be applied to some of these different industries, I feel like are going to be where a lot of this opportunity comes from as blockchain becomes more integral, over the next 20 to 30 years.
0: Yep, I I think uh, blockchain is just gonna continue to grow. Uh, It's an open source project, so there's a ton of people working on it. Um, I'm definitely bullish on it as as much as anyone can be. Um, And while we are discussing these topics, I just wanna make sure that we put this out there. This is not investment advice. We are not professional investors nor do we intend to be so none of this should be taken as investment advice we're not registered we're not licensed if you'd like to conduct business in this network find a registered professional and uh, operate in that except there's not really registered professionals in the cryptocurrency world we might start to see some but who knows So
1: thank you all for joining us on this episode of The Economics of Everything. I think blockchain will break the world. Let me know what you think about it. And we do look forward to filling the world with more informed decision makers like you.
0: And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Everything no G, and The Economics of Everything on LinkedIn and Facebook with a G. Also, you can contact us at executive at econofeverything.com.
1: Also check us out at econofeverything.com. We have many new exciting projects on our way and we're working with, what is it, four different clients currently, Alejandro? And uh, a lot of those projects are going really well. And so if you ever need any help with your company, brand building, uh, data management, or just give us a call and we'll see how we can help. And we'll talk to you next time.
0: Definitely. Yeah, those projects in flight are are really exciting. And as we start to become more open and open source, we're going to build in public. So uh, come on this journey with us. The economics of everything. Our interest is in your future value.